0: Welcome to Mad Tales. Welcome back to Mad Tales. I'm James Nolan. It's summer 2022 as I record this in my not really little studio in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Before we get started, don't forget that Mungwort is out right now in a variety of formats, including ebook, paperback, hardcover, and of course, audiobook. Can't wait until next week to get to the next chapter? Don't want to wait until September to get to the end? Order Mungwort today. And now, on to the next chapter of Mungwort. The next morning at breakfast, Diego put his dishes and tray in the dish pit, enjoying a mano where she was standing under the big oak tree. He winced at the mournful despair with which she looked at the hoop house. Everything okay? he asked. I'm fine. You get enough to eat? I'm fine, Papa. The workers started their long walk out to the north field, chatting and laughing. Holy shit, it's already a hundred degrees out, someone said. Papa, I don't like it here. Diego sighed. I know, Amana. Can't we just leave? I told you, we'll leave when they pay us. He ruffled her hair and she ducked away and headed for the hoop house. See you after work, Diego called. Okay. Right here. Okay. Three o'clock sharp. Dad! Diego didn't think the weather would be hotter in Virginia than it was in Juarez or Houston or even Mobile. But there he stood in the middle of the Old Dominion, sweating through his clothes at seven in the morning. 95 degrees anywhere was 95 degrees, but Juarez was a desert. Virginia was closer to sea level. 95 degrees plus 95% humidity felt like Juarez times two. How did these gringos take it? Most of the white boys he worked with could barely stand a morning picking fruit in the heat, but these guys, and girls, seemed unfazed. He wiped the sweat from his brow with the back of his hand as he marched through the tall grass, slapped at the mosquitoes, waved away the gnats. The sun blazed in the sky. One more week, he told himself. One more week, and he'd take his pay, buy two bus tickets, and he and Amano were home free. Warner wouldn't like it, but Diego didn't care. Guys like Warner were gruff, no-nonsense, racist. He'd make threats, refuse to pay, but Diego knew how to put a stop to that kind of nonsense. Speaking of the devil, the big man was already at the job site, standing in the bed of his pickup as the crew trudged up to the fence. His belly bulged out of his button-up, and sweat was already forming around his collar and spreading out under his arms. Get your asses over here, you lazy sons of bitches! You walk any slower, you go backwards! Diego was assigned to Ben. Okay, man, so you've got to make sure you start the cut up high and curve it under the ball. The shell's pretty hard, unless you pierce it between the bark. There's like veins or something in it. Diego nodded at Ben as if he understood, pointed at the ball. Show me? Right. Ben flipped his face mask down and hoisted his saw. In addition to his usual garb, two aprons front and back, a face shield, shoulder gloves, he'd somehow found a pair of hip waders. A mung-warp ball the size of a hog drooped low off the trunk, ensuring a heavy load of toxic juice. Ben made the first cut half a foot above the ball and started to saw. Soon his face was red, his curly hair sopping and flopping, and Diego was sure he'd pass out if he didn't say anything. "'I get it, buddy!' Ben carefully removed the saw and flipped up his face shield. I think I'm going to die, he said. Where's Cece? Warner put her on saws. Chainsaws? Ben looked around, trying not to look jealous. Okay, well, you ever see aliens? Uh, no? Okay, um, well... Ben slowed down his speech and raised his voice. You're in for a real treat! He pointed at the mung warp ball. Most of the time, the ball just hits the ground and we're good. But if one of these things explodes, he made a wild gesture, mimicking an explosion. Boosh! He rolled his eyes and dragged his fingers down his face. Ah, my face is melting! Diego winced at the performance. I speak un poco English. Oh, okay. Awesome. So that's basically it. Cut the balls off with these blades, but make sure you cut behind it or it'll explode and melt your face. It always takes long? Good point. This blade is un poco dull. Hey, Warner, I need another mungwort machine. This one's shit. Maybe if you wasn't so fat, you'd be able to cut better. That makes no sense at all, man. So? So, man, I'm getting awfully tired of the fat jokes. Sorry to hear that, mayonnaise. Look, there's like 50 more balls out here since yesterday. Uh-oh, looks like Lieutenant Lardass is turning into a wah Ben stared at Warner as a big man laughed at his own joke. Can I just get another blade, man? All right, all right. Warner raised his chin at Diego. Sanchez! Not cool, dude. It's his name, idiot. See? Diego said. Give your blade to Chunky the Hud chunk here. Take his back to the hoop house and sharpen it up. The house? Yeah, a la casa. Lilith had worked with Laszlo for quite some time. They met in Biology 101 as undergrads. Lilith, a fresh-faced farm girl with an IQ in the high 160s and Laszlo, a refugee of Adela's purges with a similar, if slightly lower, intelligence score. Lilith didn't know why she liked him so much. He was strange and barely spoke English, but she hated the rich boys and girls who populated their school, and the two bonded over their mutual status as outcasts. It allowed more time to study, for one, and they quickly mastered the mysteries of the world and scaled up everything the science department offered. Soon they found themselves the sole students in the fabled professor Jason Lee Riddle's experimental bioengineering class. Then it was on the single corp, where they served their time as lab rats in the company's sterile basement confines, their working relationship firmly established once again by a disdain for the other scientists, none of whom recognized their genius, of course. Now, 40 years after they first met, they served their muse on the very farm her daddy founded, planted, and harvested all by himself all those years ago. Like a marriage, their relationship had followed the predictable arc, from early infatuation to growing familiarity to the early pangs of disillusionment. Oh, the fights, the fights! Ending not with full-blown romantic love, but the final decision to stick around. Hmm. Romantic love. Perhaps Laszlo had once considered it an option, but Lilith certainly had not. As much respect as she felt for the man, he was a bizarre little person through and through. As bizarre as a person could be without tripping over the line that demarcated the difference between adorable eccentricity and unbearable weirdness. From his odd mannerisms to the foreign lilt in his voice, an affectation as far as Lilith was concerned, for Laszlo should have long overcome his native accent. He was a very definition of an iconoclast. And he was so frail, so bird-like. She was sure his bones were hollow. How had he mustered the strength to escape Argentina? She watched him now as he poked around Eddie Edwards's body, alternately whispering and muttering to himself. With her hand on her hip and a slightly bored mien, she looked like an older sister forced to babysit for the afternoon. Lickature marks around the wrists. Bula, 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 Laszlo whispered. Necrosis of the lower extremities, as predicted. Mantea properly vetted and purified, yes. Oh, and, oh, and what's this then? Bruising on the esophagus. (laughs) Naughty boy, but to be expected. Laszlo, dear, Willis said. I have to pack for my trip to the peninsula. Please stop prattling on and tell me what happened. Laszlo snapped erect, his wide eyes further widened by his glasses. Yes, Mrs. Yes! It makes little sense. Another heart attack, perhaps? Dual heart attacks minutes apart? No, madam, no! He scurried over to one of the computer monitors and read the screen. Their vitals show no anomalies, no fluctuations, no vexations from my last check-in. Then, boom! Elevated heart rate, high blood pressure, followed by nothing! Boof! Lilith held her palm out to the corpses in the rusty bed springs. Do their vitals look unvexed now? Laszlo blinked. Please to please, Mrs. It isn't like I haven't warned you. The human body can only take so much trauma before... I have no desire to place blame, my pet. Undeterred, Laszlo inspected Jake's body. How many times? How many times did I say it? He pointed out the exaggerated bulge in Jake's carotid artery. The Mungo trion coagulates the blood it does. Mungles the bungles, so to speak. Such poetry you spout, my dear. Yes! Yes! He leaned closer to Jake's crispy skin and sniffed. Smells like chicken, he said, a hoarse hiccup of a laugh following soon after. Laszlo suddenly became interested in something on Jake's neck. He leaned close. Oh, and what's this now? What's this? Oh! He stood up again. A phalanx on his larynx! Let me see. Lilith pulled her flowing robe back to kneel next to the corpse, pushing her glasses back on the bridge of her nose. Right here, Laszlo said. His breath was pleasantly minty. The man always took good care of his teeth. On the border between the... Don't talk to me like I'm one of your pathetic tees, Laszlo. My apologies, missus. Lilith studied the markings on the boy's throat, sniffed, and stood, unconvinced. He was murdered, missus. Your sense of irony is lacking, my dear. She turned to look out of the exit. Where is Etienne? Did I not tell him this was of utmost importance? Laszlo worried his fingers. But missus... The mungwort in the forest multiplies daily. Messrs. Warner and Mueller inform me that their subjects cannot keep pace. If we don't have a prime, how will we— We have a new prime, Laszlo. She's stronger and better. Laszlo's head was already shaking. No, 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 we can't be sure. You saw the rash on her body. Anybody else would have died from the shock. But, Mrs., you doubt my probity yet, dear Laszlo? Even if you're right, it still won't suffice. He pointed at Eddie's corpse. His was barely enough. Barely enough! And our line is already dangerously congenital. We need more variety. Fresh tea from a new source. Perhaps. Or perhaps she's the key to stop the deformities. If we can put a stop to the outbreak, imagine how much more mortifloria we can sell! Behind them, the basement door whined open. Footsteps on the gravel floor angled past the stairs, heading for them. Lilith and Laszlo stood paralyzed, watching the plastic curtains. A form appeared on the other side, and Diego pushed through. Hello, he said, looking around. The meat hooks on the walls, the computer monitors. Lilith moved to block his view of the bodies, and Laszlo stepped in front of Jake's head. Can we help you, my dear? Lilith asked. Diego held up his dull blade. "Senor Warner tell me to go to the house? Did he? See. Si. Diego's eyes fell on the blood-stained floor, the bodies lying on the rusty bed springs. He turned to run, but Mueller was already looming out of the darkness behind him. The relief Amana felt at not having to see Mueller or Laszlo all morning surprised her. She knew she disliked them. She just hadn't realized how much. That relief turned to discomfort by mid-morning, when the only thing that punctuated the silence was the sound of the scissors she used to trim the plants, the hose she used to water the flowers, and the sound of her own breathing. By lunch, she was pretty creeped out. The end of her shift couldn't have come soon enough. She left five minutes early, bounced down the steps, and out into the humid Virginia evening. It was hard not to run to meet her father. The silence of the day had unnerved her. Anxiety tickled her stomach. The first 30 minutes of waiting were easy enough. She didn't expect them to be on time. That was always the case with this kind of work. They were done when the man said they were done. She watched the exhausted workers trundling through the fields, passing her one by one on their way back to Yurtville to wash up before dinner. She didn't panic until dinner was well underway and her father still hadn't shown up. The skyline turned yellow, then orange, then red. The tops of the trees in the forest looked like crooked fingers. Someone said, See you later, in Spanish. And Amana spun around, expecting to catch her father among the last group of workers coming in. Smiling, arms already spread. But it was just some random man she'd never seen before. Warner's truck bumped in from the fields. Warner at the wheel. Mueller in the back. The curly-haired boy Cece hung out with in the passenger seat. The window was down, and she heard him saying, Why else do you think the orcs didn't have a single commanding officer? Because they were brainwashed brown shirts. Good little fascists, just like their leader. Ah, bullshit, Warner replied. This is just a bunch of neckbeards sitting around jerking each other off about fairies and elves. Mueller watched her, dead-eyed, as the truck puttered away. Hey, everything okay? Amana jumped. Cece had sneaked up behind her. Relax, Cece said. It's me. Have you seen my dad? Not since this morning, actually. He was supposed to meet me here. Cece squinted out at the fence line, suddenly concerned nothing but the steadily darkening sky and the black outlines of the trees. Behind them, Ben slammed the door with a jaunty, Smell you later, man! But the truck stayed where it was, idling as Mueller jawed at Warner through the sliding back window. Hey, Ben! Cece called. He looked up, and she waved him over. What's up? You seen Amana's dad? Who's Amana's dad? Ben, you fought a fire with him. And, you know, the you-know-what? Fire guy. Diego, right? Did you see him today, Ben? Oh. Well, I was showing him how to cut off the mung-warp balls earlier. Where is he? Amana demanded. I'm not sure. Oh, Warner sent him to get a new blade this morning. He come back? Cece asked. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think he came back. Cece's face hardened. Warner's truck headed back the other way, aiming for the hoop house. Cece jogged over to flag it down, but it sped up. She jumped in front of it at the last safe second, and Warner slammed on the brakes. He jerked his head out of the window. You fucking stupid. Amana's looking for her dad. You see where he went? Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, butch. I ain't got time to babysit. You talking about Sanchez? Mueller called from the bed. Amana perked up. Cece said, yeah. He had himself a little accident out in the West Field this morning. What? Amana said. What happened? Oh, just a little accident. Tell me where he is. Warner pulled the cab window aside and said something. Mueller leaned in, listening and nodding. I asked you where my father is, Amana said. Warner draped his arm out the window. You want to sink your shrill a few decibels? Don't talk to me like that. Tell me what happened to my father. Butch, get a clamp down on your girlfriend. Why don't you tell her what happened to her dad? Mueller, you want to take this? We took him up to Spotsy Hospital, okay? Mueller said. What? Amana said. Is it serious? She approached the truck as Warner steered around Cece and pulled away. He'll be fine, Mueller called. Go get yourself some dinner and some rack time. He'll be back before you know it. Amana tried not to curl her lip as she watched them go. Pendejo. When she first got back to Virginia, Cece marveled at the swell of the insects at night. Bobby's rig had just rumbled away, heading back to the interstate, leaving her in a podunk truck stop parking lot in the middle of a state she'd vowed never to return to. And there she stood, taking in the sound of the crickets and thinking about her childhood, her father and her brother. The mix of emotions was overwhelming. If she knew then what she knew now, would she have even bothered to enter that diner? She hadn't been to the Outer Bank since her mother died. Maybe she could have hitched a ride to the coast, camped out at Hatteras, waited tables and searched for a few months before taking the ferry back to the mainland and thumbing it down to Florida. Now, standing in the dark in front of the door to Lilith's basement, the yearning for that alternate reality struck Cece so hard that she felt dizzy. She could smell the salt air and the steamed shrimp, feel the sand between her toes then thunder rumbled in the distance, and a flash of heat lightning snapped her back to Virginia, in the farm, in all the danger and weirdness she'd gotten herself into. The door was only a few feet away, yet she couldn't open it. She knew Diego was in there. She knew what they'd done to him. She knew how scared he must have been, how his final thoughts must have turned to Amana. Cece took a long look around the property. Behind her, Yurtville, the black spires of the tents standing out against a midnight blue sky. To the north, The field kitchen and the grand old oak watching over the property. To the west, the caterpillar back of the hoop house. Other than the bugs, all was still and silent. She screwed up her courage. Don't worry about the door this time. Don't worry about getting caught. Just stride right up, grab the knob, and turn. And so she did. And it was locked. She tried the knob again, thinking maybe it stuck. It didn't move. Not even a rattle. Fuck. 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 Then she remembered the window over the workbench. In the basement, it had seemed impossibly high. She would have had to stand on the bench to reach it, but outside, it was a mere foot off the ground. She pulled on the handle, not expecting it to be unlocked, but hoping it would be. And it was. Hey, 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 Mungwort, the sequel to MPK, is out right now in ebook, paperback. Hardcover and audiobook. I'm not going to read all of the places it's available online, but I'm sure wherever you are in the world as you listen to this, it is available. And if you still can't get it, go to Silverhammer.studio and click on the contact me button and I'll see if I can get it out to you directly. Most likely I can. Can't wait to hear it. Don't want to go chapter by chapter? Pick up Mungwort today. And now, back to Mad Tales. Aside from a dim light glowing to her right and the light of the moon coming in from behind her, the basement remained inky black. Cece searched the workbench for something she could use as a weapon, but all the tools had been removed, even the screwdrivers. Shit. How was she going to free Diego from those rusty bed springs? No time to worry about that now. She'd just have to improvise. Seconds later, she pushed through the plastic curtains and into the antechamber where Eddie Edwards had met his end. And Jake. She couldn't forget Jake. She expected to see Diego strapped down to a bedspring, IV pumping poison into his arm, heart monitor beeping, his body in the early stages of melting into the pan underneath him. But the place was empty. No rusty bedsprings, no Diego, no heart monitor, no IV stand, nothing. Just the meat hooks bolted into the wall to her right, in an empty space before her. A naked bulb swayed over where she'd killed Eddie, casting shadows and brown light. Cece bee-lined for Yurtville barely able to contain her anxiety. She threw a nervous look over her shoulder, expecting to see Mueller leaning against the old oak tree, leering at her, or Warner sitting in his truck, the red coal of a cigarette lighting up his wrinkled face. But she didn't. Miraculously, all was clear. She trotted to her yurt and ducked inside. She exited a few seconds later, her bag on her back, heading for Ben's yurt. Ben's yurt smelled only like an enclosed area occupied by Ben could smell. Sour socks and food, with an undercurrent of sweat. The air was heavy, too. As if with every one of his labored exhalations, he expelled a fine mist comprised of the deepest secrets of his innermost bendness. Cece wavered in the entrance. To her left, an empty cot. Had that been Rufus's? To her right, another empty cot. Must have been Jake's. Ben was sleeping on his back, right arm flung over his head, left hand resting on his bare belly. A sheet covered his lower half, though both legs were sticking out of the bottom. He snorted and smacked his lips. Ben! Cece whispered. He didn't move. Ben! Louder this time. Still nothing. Cece waded farther in, kicking aside balled-up socks, his probably still-moist work pants, and a pair of boxers, and stopped just shy of his cot. What if he slept naked? Leaning over, she pinched a corner of his sheet between her fingers and pulled it up to have a peek. Cece? Ben was awake, looking at her quizzically. I'm not- I wasn't- Ben looked down at his waist. What are you doing? Now that he was awake, Cece realized she didn't know what she was going to tell him. So she just told him the truth. Warner and Mueller are killing everybody and turning them into compost. Ben stared at her, comprehending and not comprehending. He wiped his face with his hand. Let's say, for the sake of argument, I believed you. What then? What do you mean, what then? I'm getting the fuck out of here and so should you. You're not going to kill them? What? Kill them? No. Why? Ben thought about it. He looked like he was about to argue, thought better about it, and with sudden indifference said, fuck it, I'm in. If she'd been a few years older, Amana would have already run. But she wasn't a few years older, she was 13, a child. No matter how many dangerous predicaments the past year had thrown her way, there was no way she could have known what to do. Her father had made all the decisions up to that point, and her father was missing. He'd told her to wait for her, and even though she knew it was stupid, she was going to wait for him. That didn't mean she couldn't be upset, though, and she waited like any child in this situation would wait, curled up on her cot, trying and failing not to cry. She was in this position when Cece burst into her yurt. Amana sat up like a catapult. Get out! Grab your shit, Amana, we're leaving. I'm not going anywhere with you! My father- Your father's gone. Yeah, he's in the hospital! Irritated, Cece scanned the room, snatched up a shirt and a stray sock, a black backpack hung from a cot post. Is that your dad's bag? Don't touch that! Amana, Diego told me you wanted to get out of here, so let's get out of here. Mueller said, Christ, Amana, your dad's not in the hospital. But he said Papa would be back. Really? You're going to believe that creep? Amana clamped her mouth shut. Cece snapped her fingers. Grab your bag. Let's go. I want to see my dad. In the hospital. Cece shook her head, eyes wide. Fine. If I take you to the hospital, will you come with me? Heat lightning etched across the southern sky. Clouds gathered, hanging like a thing alive, a nucleus core of silent energy. Cece adjusted her backpack as she and Amana trotted through Yurtville. They made it to the gravel drive and fairly ran up to the gate. Ben was standing in the shadows, wearing a yellow rain slicker and cargo shorts. Where the fuck have you guys been? Take that jacket off, Cece hissed. I can spot you a mile away. No way, dude. Ben nodded at the clouds in the distance. I'm not getting caught in that. Why is the gate closed? Cece tried the handle. It rattled but wouldn't budge. Fuck, Ben, we need to go. Unless you want me to use my mind powers on it, I suggest you stop yelling at me. Cece grabbed the rusty iron rungs and shook. You mean to tell me that you didn't plan for this? Ben said. Oh, this is great. Just great. Cece ran to the post where the chain link fence was welded tight. Though the fence was higher than the gate, it was certainly scalable. They'd need something to throw over the top where the links stuck up like knives. Give me your jacket, she said. What? Ben followed her gaze. No way, man. That's like 15 feet high. It's the only way out. Those links are like shanks, dude. That's what the jacket's for. This is a raincoat. They'll cut right through it. Cece spun on him. Do you have a better idea? I do, Amana said. She was standing at the opposite post, pulling a section of the chain link open with one hand. Damn, Ben said. She's better at this than you. Now it was Amana's turn to take the lead. First, she was just walking fast. Then she started trotting between spates of fast walking. Then she was trotting. And then she was finally outright running. Cece kept up at first, but the girl soon outpaced her by at least 20 yards. Ben lagged even farther. What's she doing? Amana, slow down! No! Amana yelled. The forest, tight on either side of the gravel road, was alive with fireflies. The trio passed through odd pockets of cold air and hot envelopes of swampy rot. Amana disappeared around a bend, and Cece yelled, Amana! The girl popped back into view. Hurry up! You need to wait for us! Ben groaned. Breathing heavily, he said, Just let her go, dude. We're not splitting up. I've seen that movie. Amana was vibrating by the time they reached her. She struck out as soon as Cece was within arm's reach. The wind kicked up, and she stopped abruptly, grimacing. What is that smell? It hit Cece and Ben at the same time. Cece was about to say, it's just swamp rye, when the sound of an engine echoed in the night. All three of them turned toward the gate, waiting, listening. The engine grew louder. Headlights flickered in the trees. Fuck, it's Warner, Cece said. There was no moment when Cece didn't know what to do. No moment where she asked herself, where do I hide? She pushed a monitor toward the edge of the road. Go! The road was at least five feet higher than the forest below, with a graded gravel decline leading to a weedy ditch. The stench grew stronger. Amana pushed back on the brink. I'm not going in there. Warner's headlights hit the trees at the curve. It smells like something died in there. No, Ben said. Something did die in there. Mueller's truck banged over a pothole, and the three of them turned as one and jumped into the ditch. For a split second between the moment when she thought she was going to hit the ground and didn't, Cece thought that she'd pushed them into an endless pit. Then her feet struck the earth, jolting her knees and forcing the breath out of her with a huff. The truck grew closer, loud rock music blaring from the cab. Cece hoped it would speed by as Warner or Mueller or whoever was driving headed out to do whatever horrible thing evil henchmen did. But to her horror, the stupid thing slowed. Get down, she hissed. Amana was already crouching in the tall grass between the ditch and the woods, and Ben had already hit the deck like someone had thrown a grenade. Oh, what did I land in, he moaned. Oh, that smell, Amana said. It's gooey, Ben added, and crunchy. I think I'm going to puke. I think I'm going to puke. Shut up, both of you, Cece snapped. She pulled Harlow's filter mask out of her backpack and thrust it at Amana. Here. That's not going to make me feel better, Amana said. Just put it on. Why? Cece's next sentence came out all at once. Amana, could you just do one thing I tell you to do for once without an interrogation? Amana pulled her head back, eyebrows raised. Okay, okay. She slipped the mask over her face and presented it to CeCe with a gesture that said, Satisfied? You got another one of those in there? Ben asked. Shh! Warner's truck stopped exactly where they had been standing moments before, the wheels right above their heads. From that vantage point, they could see the undercarriage and the headlights piercing the darkness. A turn of the key, the engine died, and the driver's side door creaked open. A pair of old work boots stepped out onto the road. So, apparently the whole thing was a metaphor for World War II. Warner. On the opposite side, another creaking door, another pair of work boots. Mueller. I don't see it. The whatchamacallits? The Morks? Orcs. If the orcs is Nazis, shouldn't they be perfect? Like, not ugly? Better fighters and such? Ben tugged on CeCe's shirt. His wide eyes said it all. You're missing the point, idiot. They was an unstoppable force, rolling across Middle Earth, killing everybody that got in their way and enslaving the rest. Ergo, Nazis scent of tobacco smoke. Mueller's boots joined Warners. I guess that makes sense. Look, I'm just telling you what the kid told me. Come on, it's time to get to work. Mueller took a final puff and flicked the cigarette away. It flipped through the air, landed on the back of Ben's neck, and slipped down his jacket. Ben jolted into action, his arms flapping against his back. Cece tried to shove a hand down and snatch it out, but Ben was twisting and writhing too much. She half-mouthed, half-whispered the word, stop. Ben rolled over and pressed his back into the ground, a pained squeal squeaking out of his throat. Mueller's boots stopped and turned towards the woods. You hear that? Hear what? I heard something. Fuck's sake, E.T., we're outside. No, it sounded like a whisper. The only whisper you're going to hear out here is the sound of my foot whispering up your ass. Now get over here and let's get this done. Mueller's boots didn't move. Cece squeezed her eyes shut. She could imagine him standing there, peering into the darkness, listening. Mueller, Warner barked. All right, all right. The tailgate lowered with a squeal and a thunk. You get the top, I'll get the bottom. Why do I always got to get the top? Because that's the part you get. Top part's the heaviest part. Get your ass up there in that bed. Ben rolled back onto his stomach. We need to run, he whispered. Amana nodded in agreement. No, Cece whispered back. They'll hear us. Mueller already heard us. Amana pointed at Ben, nodding again. Warner and Mueller grunted as they removed whatever it was they were removing from the bed. Their boots scraped the road. Shoo, it stinks out here, Mueller said. We gotta find a different place to do this. Warner grunted in assent. You know, I read somewhere that these things have a couple bags worth of nitrogen in them when they break down. They were only a foot away from the edge. Ben flattened his body. Cece curled into herself. Amana leaned back and, with a strange crunch, planted her hand in something soft and squishy. She stifled a squeal. Maybe we could put him in the boss lady's garden. Give her a little October surprise. Not funny, E.T. I like our pumpkin pie. Amana craned her neck to see what her hand had landed in. Her already terrified eyes grew wider. A little moan escaped her lips, muffled behind the mask. Cece reached out and grabbed her by the shoulder, a finger to the lips, a tight shake of the head. Then she saw the girl trembling, her heaving chest. Amana's eyes rolled to the side. Cece followed them. It was Iko's dead body. Her eyes were wide and unseeing. A splash of blood had dried on her crushed skull. Amana's arm had disappeared into her chest cavity. Warner and Mueller were at the edge of the road. On three, Warner said. Throw it on three, or three and then throw it. Same way we've always done it, idiot. One, two, three. Warner threw on three, but Mueller waited a beat too long, sending the bundle spinning into the woods. It crashed into a tree and hit the ground behind Amana. Amana yelped, muted but audible. Cece clapped a sympathetic hand over her mouth. It was another body. Long black hair was covering the face, but Cece could recognize that tattoo anywhere. Sexy tomato in the hammock. What the fuck did I say? Warner snarled. On three means three. Shh. This time I really did hear something. Jesus Christ, E.T., boots at the edge of the road. Something squawked, I'm telling you. Probably a mouse or a possum. Mueller stepped onto the verge. Wasn't no mouse, and as sure as shit wasn't no possum. All he had to do was look down, and he'd see his hand plunged into Iko's chest. Another inch, and he'd see her face. He stared out into the darkness. Who's out there? You really think somebody'd answer that? Warner snapped. Ben picked his head up off the ground and looked Cece in the eye follow my lead, he whispered. Then he popped up and yelled, aha! Warner and Mueller jumped back with two startled grunts. Sucks to suck, Ben yelled. He grabbed Warner's leg and yanked it out from underneath him. Warner pinwheeled and fell back. His head hit the ground with a sick crack. Run, Ben screamed. Amana sprinted into the forest. Cece jumped up and followed. Ben turned to join them, but Mueller leaped forward and took him down with a flying tackle. You fat motherfucker, he yelled. Ben, Cece yelled. I'm coming, I'm, Mueller reared up, his knife glinting in the moon, and sank into Ben's calf. Ben cried out and flipped onto his back. With a strength Cece didn't think he had in him, he grabbed Mueller by the lapels and threw him off. Cece cast a look at Amana, scampering through the woods, then back to Ben. They locked eyes. Go! he cried. So she did. She tried to catch up to Amana, but the girl scurried like a rabbit. She ducked under branches, leaped over fallen tree trunks. She caught sight of her once, lost her again, pushed forward. There! a break in the forest up ahead. Were those headlights? No, just fireflies. Amana jumped across the threshold of the forest and disappeared into the darkness. Thirty seconds later, Cece breached the forest's edge and sprinted into a field of wildflowers. She'd made it almost twenty yards before she realized what she'd stumbled into. Mortifloria. Acres of it. Pollen misted the air and she felt woozy. Ahead, Amana plowed a course through the field, kicking up dirt, dust, and pollen. Each bloom she kicked erupted in a dark cloud, and those eruptions led to more eruptions, setting off a chain reaction until a full quarter of the field was awash in toxic spores. Fuck, Cece said. She couldn't go back. That much was obvious. But if she went forward, the Mortifloria would knock her flat. Amana chose for her. She was halfway across the field, running at an even clip when she tripped. She kissed the earth with her fingers, stumbled forward three steps, and disappeared. Damn. Cece clenched her fists took a deep breath, and just as she was about to run, she heard footsteps pounding up from behind. She twisted around and saw a dark form bounding out of the woods. It zipped past her and out into the field. Sacha. Sacha, no! Sisi cried. The dog hit a patch of pollen and skidded to a halt, sneezing and shaking her head. She retreated to the forest and trotted up and down the border, growling. Amana was on her feet now, reeling and unsteady. Sacha barked again and Vic appeared behind her, a mask strapped to his face, a shotgun leaning on his shoulder. Cece spun. Vic! She cried. Holy shit! Mueller and Warner there! Shut up! Vic snapped. He barked an order at Satcha in a foreign language. Was that Russian? When the dog didn't move, Vic repeated the command and Satcha sat down with a grumble and a whine. Cece swayed on her feet. What the fuck is going on, Vic? He looked over her shoulder at Amana's retreating form. Who is that? Vic, listen to me. Vic marched through the flowers, stopping a few feet away from where Cece stood they're killing people, she said. Killing people? Jake, Ico, Harlow? Oh, that's a lot of people. Vic looked over her shoulder one more time. One more shouldn't hurt. And he struck her in the head with the butt of his shotgun. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mad Tales. Don't forget that Mungwort is out in ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. Listen to these awesome reviews of Mungwort. Joe Edwards says, Wow, this book kept my attention. You can really get into the characters. Noel really brings them and the scenery to life like you're really there and going through what these characters are going through and feeling. I love the way he writes. I almost felt like I was watching a movie, which would be a really good one. I love the ending. Well done, James Noel. Well done. Kevin R. Johnson states, Great believable characters, evil goons, badass female heroes, unexpected twists, gory sci-fi, awesome ending, loved it. My all-time favorite of Noel's books. Another Amazon reviewer states, Holy mackerel, this is the first book I've read by James Noel and it has me lost for words. Terrifying, exciting, twisted, and totally unique. It has very well-developed characters and is set in some sort of labor camp that's being attacked by the surrounding forest itself. And finally, Marie Isabel states As a hiker, the plant based creepies gave me the willies. That's all for now. Thank you for tuning into Mad Tales, and I will see you next week. just survived another episode of Mad Tales.